You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. So much of this happens the testimony that we've just heard, for those that are listening online, we've just heard some testimonies. So much of this stuff happens, and I've, I have no idea that it's happened. We had no idea. You guys knew some of this, but you didn't know that Shorty and I had had conversations. or We didn't know any of this stuff was happening. But if we simply lived with what we could see and what we could measure, what we thought the Lord was doing would be measured as a lot smaller than what he's actually doing. We're talking about global connections that he's making and we're not doing anything but letting him do it. And then we get to see it now. We get to bring a, be a part of it and he brings us into the fold, right? When it's time for him to release that information, be like, okay, now it's time for you to be a part of this. But if we live measuring, we miss those all the time. And so what I wanted to talk about tonight is I've... I've through several interactions with people, through several interactions with uh, different organizations and companies, I've, this word has continued to come up and really within a question. Uh, and the word is genuine. And the question is, where has genuineness gone? To be genuine is truly what something is said to be, to be authentic. So why does that not exist? You have entire companies that are based around not being authentic and not being genuine. And we'll get into that in a second. But we measure each other. The world measures each other based on what someone can or cannot do for you. Right? We see that everywhere. That is, that is the nature of the world we live in. We measure our relationships, any relationship that anyone has is based on what that person can or cannot do. If 50% of marriages end in divorce, 50% of those marriages end because they were measuring one another and the measurement no longer added up or made sense or was quantifiable. It wasn't anything that benefited them anymore, so they split, right? That's one of the dangerous things. We talk about this in, in premarital. I went through it, Sarah and I went through it, um, I've taught it with several uh, couples um, before I've wed them. And I say it in the, uh, in the sermon that I give there on the altar um, when the couple's standing right in front of me. It's that when love for one another becomes based on when that, what that person does or does not do for you, your relationship will fail, right? We're all, we've all had spouses. We've all lived in that life, and you know what when you're doing that to your spouse, right? You can tell, because all of a sudden it's like, why am I upset with Sarah? Oh, it's okay, because I'm, I'm loving her based on what she does or does not do, right? It's easy to fall into it, because it's the world that we live in. You, we're surrounded by it, and it's one of those tricky things. That was one of the hardest things, I'll be real honest, one of the hardest things about being married uh, in the first few years, because you don't realize how much you do it until you live with someone that shows you how much you do it, right? 
first part of marriages was difficult because all of our life, all of my life, that's how I loved people. I was still new to the Holy Spirit, still new to who Jesus actually was, not this uh, very easy, watered-down version that I had grown up with, but Kendall McDonald had introduced me to the real Jesus, the real Savior, the real Holy Spirit, and I was just walking with him, but you didn't realize how, how you love people like that. It's very easy to do that, and it's also when you know the difference, it's infuriating when you know you're being loved like that, isn't it? When you have relationships with people and you know it's like they come in and out of your life, and you can just tell this is around what I can, how I can benefit you right now and how I can't benefit you right now. It's just... So... It determines this measuring of one another and what they can do or can't do for us determines the interaction and relationship. But why do we measure? Taking it a step forward, why can't we be authentic? Why do we measure? If I have a water bottle, it's got water in it, and I'm in the middle of the desert, no water source in sight, Will I measure that water? Oh, religiously. I will be monitoring the status and how full it is because that's all I have. That's all I have. And so measuring is a sign that there is no abundance. Measuring is, if you see someone that's measuring, it's because there is no abundance in their life. There's no overflow in their life. The beggar stops begging. We talked about this on Sunday. The beggar no longer needs to beg when there's an abundance that covers the need. The the lame man at the beautiful gate at the front of the temple who was healed uh, by Peter didn't go back the next day to beg because he was paralyzed. He was no longer paralyzed. There was now an abundance that covered the need. So, measuring is a sign that there is no abundance. So what is necessary then to be authentic and to live fully in abundance? Now just, I didn't really associate genuine with authentic until uh, I just read the definition. Then it's just like an oh, duh moment. But to be authentic, what does that immediately tie to? It ties immediately to who you are. How can one be authentic to anything but who they are? They can try, and we try to, to be authentic, and, and maybe some, a lot of people, our kids struggle with this, they try to be um, a version that people want them to be, right? We talked about this um, a few weeks ago. Um, you're not who, I'm not who you think I am, I'm who you think I'm who I think you think I am, right? It's, I'm not who Shorty thinks I am if I don't know my identity in Christ. I'm, I am who I think Shorty thinks I am. And that's how we alter and we, we measure our life and we measure our identity. And this, this book, this basic book that the Lord has given us as a tool in this life is about one thing and that one thing is identity, then if that one thing is not known, how can we ever be authentic? We can't. It's not possible. I'll just give you the answer. It's not possible. Genesis 
127. I'm just gonna read a few scriptures really quick. If you can get there fast, then you're a super Christian. Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, or 12, 27, I'm sorry. 12, 27. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So how can someone be genuine to those around them if they don't genuinely know who they are? How can I be authentic? Because I can only be authentic no matter what I try, no matter how hard I try. If, I was, if everyone on this earth was created for God, then you can never be authentic without God. How can a vessel made to carry the presence of God be authentic without the presence of God? How can a boat be authentically a boat and operate in the fullness of its purpose if it never has someone within the vessel directing it? How functional is a boat if it just sits at the harbor? It's not, I mean, it can stay afloat for a while, but if someone gets in and gets it out, you're not going to be very sure how much of a boat it's going to be out there in the open water. But we are vessels meant to house the presence of God. And so if we don't have that presence of God, then how can we ever be authentic and genuine? We can't. You can't give away what you do not have. One of the greatest teachings I, I've ever heard is that simple statement. You cannot give away what you do not have. And there are entire corporations built around this. Entire corporations built around this. One very simple that kind of started the, the process with this is the car industry. Oh my goodness. But do you know how many millions of dollars they put in to their vehicles, testing them to make sure parts will fail when your warranty expires? Isn't that crazy? Isn't that wild? Because what's the old saying? I mean, this is common knowledge. What happens when your vehicle runs out of, you got a 100,000 mile warranty. What happens at 101? Stuff starts falling apart, right? It's known, it's comical that we know this. How do you think this billion dollar industry just whoops? Do you think they just whoops? that it's already a common understood thing that this vehicle is going to last me four years and it's going to start to fall apart. They did that on purpose. Did that on purpose. Can't be genuine because will they say that that's the best vehicle on the road? Oh yeah. Is there a good vehicle on the road? Not really, no. Because they're all designed to fail. Can't even be genuine to what we sell people anymore. And all products are like that. What's the saying? They don't make things the way they used to. Because people making them are no longer genuine. There's no longer authenticity in products. If there's no authenticity in the products that we make, how is there authenticity in the people that make them? There's not. But why is there not? 
Again, you can't give away what you don't have. And these people that don't have identity can only measure. So what they do is they must gain more that the measure would be better. Because then there's validation. Then there's worth found in their measuring. If the measure increases, if I can use this person and what they have to increase my value, then I am better. And I feel better about myself. Right? We all know, we've all experienced moments like that. If you know somebody of popularity or fame, we've all done it. We'll just kind of work that into the conversation casually. Right? We've all done that before. I'm like, oh, I actually know him. I hung out with him. I've done that before. I've had the, you know, I've played drums for a long time. And kids would be talking about Christian rap music and over there when we were working out, like, oh, I really like this guy. He's really good. It's like, oh, yeah, he's a cool guy. Like, you know him? It's like, I do. It's like, why did I do that? I didn't need to do that. But we wanted to in a moment because it feels good to increase the measure, right? Increase the measure. How do we change that? Now go with me to James Four. We'll be in, in verse 1. We're going to read all of James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your possessions are at war within you? Or your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet, covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is in an enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn the weep. Be wretched and mourn the weep. Mourn and weep. Sorry, I've got a smudge there. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So, how do we change that? 
I love that chapter because it just kind of highlights everything that we're talking about. It's highlighting what we see in the world and it's honestly highlighting what we see a lot in the church because the church has adopted so much of the world. The church doesn't look the way it's supposed to look, right? We have mission statements. We, have, we, have, we look like a corporation. And where I, I always come back to this, if you've got a problem with a, with a business and the way a business runs and the way they treat people, where do you think they learned it? I learned it from the church. That's the heartbreaking thing to realize is a lot of this stuff that we see in the world, they saw from us first. Anyways, how do we change this? How do we change this lack of genuineness, this lack of authenticity, this, this constant measuring that we see in the world? How do we change? Will we freely give what has been freely given? We live receiving all that the Lord has spoken to you about you. That is your job. That is the one thing that you have to do. How do we have these conversations of testimony like we had? How do we have these, these talks of these random encounters that we just see the Lord are building the next great thing for the church, for our church ahead? Is we be where God would have us. The only way you can be where God would have you is if you believe what he says about you. That's the first step. You cannot walk in the fullness and freedom of the will of God if you do not believe what God says about you. That's the first, the first way to exit the will of God is to not believe who he says you are. So how do, we, how do we change? We freely give what has been freely given and that is identity and it simply starts with receiving all that the Lord has said to you about you. And then we walk in the spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to show and tell us who he calls those around us. Like we've said, <clears throat> I don't know how many times the Lord has revealed to me who the person is before me. And I just say yes and amen to that and that alone. And then that person begins to display that identity, not knowing it themselves. But that's what they were created for. Were any one of us not created for God? No. No. There's not a one. For God so loved the world. That was all of it. Not a select group of it. That was all of it. All of us are made and all of us have been forgiven. Not all of us have received, but all of us have been made. So when we encounter, I'm a firm believer in this, when a person encounters, knowing God or not, when a person encounters who they were made for, it will change them. It will impact them. If just for a moment it will still change them. If that presence of God leaves, if I go into a place and they encounter the presence of God in me, they will encounter the presence of God in me in that place. Now I may leave, but they encountered the Lord right there. They encountered who they were made for. They encountered the true, uh, na- the true identity of who the Lord has called them to be. So we, we simply have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. And that's simple, that, that comes back again to Yes and amen to what the Holy Spirit would have. We, we talk about walking in the Spirit and it, become, it can become a very, very complicated thing in our heads. Okay, how do I do this? What are the 12 steps to walking in the Spirit? I'm telling you right now, if you wanna walk in the Spirit and you have received the Holy Spirit for yourself, it simply says yes and amen. And that is the position your heart stays in and he will give you eyes to see. He will give you ears to hear. 
It's not like you have to go acquire them or sit in a dark room and then he's going to anoint your eyes and it's going to change. You're a vessel. That's all you are, a vessel. And you will reflect that which fills you. And he has eyes to see and he has ears to hear, right? And so we only believe about those around us that which God reveals to us, amen? And now Romans 12, 9 Let love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Love is a person. Love is Jesus. Let him consume you and overflow out of you. It's that simple. How do we find genuineness in the world again? Let them see love genuine from us, overflow out of us. When I did that example with the, with the cup and the tub, I, that tub served one purpose, to keep water from getting all over the floor that I'd have to clean up later. That was it. Because where would that water have gone if that tub was not there? Everywhere. Everywhere. We know this right now. It's a little bit fresh. Some people are a little... It might, it might have affected you personally, but we just had a lot of negative temperatures. Me and Shorty were just talking about it. It's kind of crazy to think that a week ago today, we were snowed in, icy roads, you're having to break water and, and keep sinks from freezing. That was a week ago. I was sweating outside today. Um, but if one of those water pipes break, where does that water go? It goes everywhere. The water goes everywhere. There's not a place that water can't get to. So when we live in the overflow, in the river of life, not just physical, imperfect water, I'm talking about the river of life that flows from the throne room of God, fills us and overflows out of us and we live in that overflow, where will it go? Everywhere. When that love, that genuine love that flows in that river of life, where will it go? It will go everywhere. There is not a place on this earth that will be able to keep it out. So that's how we change it. That's how we change the nature of what we see in the world. But first... We have to also, just as we read in James, we have to receive the truth for ourselves. Can't give away, the world can't give away what it doesn't have. And neither can we. And I would change it to this, we can't give away what we will not receive. If you don't receive it, you don't have it. Just because you know it doesn't mean you've received it. If you receive it, your life reflects it, right? So receive it fully each and every day because we all know we've all sat in Randy's office. We've all sat with the Lord. We've all found our identities. And how long did it take for that identity to have war waged against it? It's instantly. And has that war waged against it ever stopped? It will never stop. The the enemy will always try to attach the false identity to you again. Always. That will, that will never end. So the receiving, all that to say, the receiving of who the Lord calls you to be is a daily thing. 
It's, and I'll, I'll never forget the man that said this, um, but it's a thousand times a day decision until it isn't. It's, it's a thousand times a day decision until it isn't. If you have to say you're going to wake up early, it's scientific that you're going to have to do that for two weeks straight. And then it'll become a habit. My kids gave me one of those habits without my choosing. Because I can't sleep past 6 a.m. anymore. I mean, that clock, six, two zeros, wide awake. Wide awake. It's a habit. It's what my body's doing now. Because it was repeated over and over. And now it's not anything I have to try to do. It's just going to happen. It's the same with identity. We have to receive it. And we have to receive it constantly. And we have to let it overflow out of us in fullness and in abundance. Because only when they encounter abundance will they stop measuring. And when they stop measuring, then they're authentic. Then there's genuineness restored. I long to see a day where we see genuineness again, common, widespread. Organizations that are built around a desire to be genuine and a desire to be authentic. But let that start with the church, right? Because if it starts here, we know it will go there because not being genuine started here and it went there. So if it starts here to be genuine and authentic, then it will go out there. And then the measuring stops. Amen? Amen. Well, Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that you come and pursue us constantly every moment of every day with such a desire to reveal to us new things and reveal to us old things in different lights. But you just desire to teach your children. You are such a good and patient father. And we thank you for how you attend to us each and every day. We just pray blessing over all those in here, over this house and over this community and all that you're doing and all that you're going to do through this house to the farthest reaches of the world. We thank you and we say yes and amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.